0: Let's let's not talk about what Cape Sun does when you make it a land.
1: Hello, and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 133. My name is CJ Schrader, and with me, as always, my two GP co hosts. First off, we have Jess Dunks. This is Jess Dunks. I'll be just as staccato as CJ <laughs> and Brian Pritbubman. Uh, Hello, this is. Brian Prilliman. This is how we're doing the rest of the episode.
0: No, it's not. It's th- yes. This is not a sound audio problem. This. No. All
1: right, that's enough
0: of that. Uh, yeah, because your silence editor thing is just going to cut it all out and make oh, it sound God. weird.
1: <laughs> it, won't, <laughs> it won't make it sound weird, but I'm not going to go back and fix it. So, this episode, uh, the Cosmos aligned, and we... All three were at the same event at the same time.
0: Yes. Now, I don't
1: know if we were ever in the same corner yes, of the room at the same time. We, this this is the exact same thing that happened at the judge conference where, briefly, us three were together, but not, not often. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was the joke for the L3 panel and then I think slightly a little bit during dinner, but not much. Well, there's another L3, there's another conference coming up that we can have the opportunity to do that at.
2: Yeah. Um, there's, uh, there's an open in Atlanta coming up that we might have the opportunity to do that. At. Are you going to be at the and open? If we all,
1: yeah. and oh, We all are, I'm, yeah. We I'm going to be at the open for sure. Yep, we all are. I will are also be at the for open sure. for sure. All right. Nailed it. Um... Oh, maybe we should reschedule Puppet Day. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, what? Because that's sooner. Oh, we can make it earlier. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about yeah. the GP, though.
0: Oh, dude.
1: Wait, hold on. We'll talk about puppets later. We don't need to open every episode talking about puppets.
0: Wait, are we calling it Puppet Day now? Hello
1: I'm on a puppet cast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, but we were all at the GP together, and I we thought, basically what I attempted to do with that Driving with Judge Cast episode... But let's do that for real with my actual hosts and without the sound of the road for an hour and a half. I mean, we could make it an happen. it just make some noise. Like drive, like
0: Get off the road.
1: drive to work <laughs> sounded better and it's on an iPhone microphone. I think that's the problem actually. I was using my hardcore microphone. There's a picture of it somewhere. So, and... so I think that's probably exactly the problem is yeah. you're just picking up way too much. Yeah, I had the game turned down all the way, but. What are you going to do? That's why I released it as a bonus episode, so everybody enjoy that. All right, so guys, so you both were there. You both did it for three days straight, which I don't do anymore because I'm somehow older than both of you.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> Thank you. Finally, okay,
1: good. Three days. It was. It was relative. Like compared to what I did in like indie, it was relatively easy. Yeah. To so oh, do three days. days. I haven't done a Friday since the time I accidentally did three days accidentally did three days yeah yeah so you just like forget you signed up for three days oops, yes three days that's exactly it brian was judge manager and he was Oh, i remember this yeah he messaged me and he's like he mentioned something about friday and i was like i didn't sign up for friday and he's like yes you did and i went back and checked and i surely did and i was like oh crap glad i didn't get a flight <laughs> yet. i
0: surely did <laughs> i sure enough hey, he sends he sends me a message and he's like i don't know what you're talking about and i'm like screenshot of your application deal with it yeah it's like he's like oh whoa whoa. yeah
1: Blown I, out. I hadn't booked a flight but I was just about to book it to land on that Friday because mm. I didn't realize I had signed up for Friday mm. uh, yeah and that's where I was only yeah, I, I think ex-
2: I've heard this story before I think you told this
1: story in like episode 36 or something. probably when it happened yeah <laughs> um,
0: all right so Friday
1: Friday yeah <laughs> so tell me what your old experience was because I was uh, at work. So, Friday, for me, was probably,
2: easily the most boring day of the GP for me personally. All right. Um, We, we had some cool stuff happen, like Ryan Hoffman's token was unveiled. Yeah, and it's in, beautiful. In dramatic fashion.
1: I wish it wasn't is, an angel, though, because we already have an angel. Like, yeah. But what, what are you going to make it? Like a, a warrior, maybe? I mean, angels are about to be relevant again, which is
2: probably why they did it. With the with Innistrad okay, coming up. Okay, all right.
1: That's
2: fair. Um, so... Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if if that's why, but yeah. anyway, it's just like it's this picture of Brian Hoffman. Who don't know, him, he's a super nice guy, but in this picture, he's just really ripped, and that's just because he's actually really ripped. Yes, he is. Um, yeah. So um, it's it's really it's kind of an awesome token. Uh, other than that, that, was probably the most interesting thing that happened to me all day. I was I was sides lead the overall sides lead on Friday. For what that means is that there are a lot of side events going on, and uh, it was my job. To balance resources between, uh, the three main divisions of, of events. And that is that the, the scheduled events, the on demand events where they have like eight player drafts and so on. And then what they call the last chance trials. Each of these three teams had their own groups. And it was my job to make sure those groups had everything they needed, that they had gone on their breaks and that they need, got more people if they needed them. And we had really awesome people doing awesome work, which meant I didn't really have anything to do. Uh, which is a good thing. That means nothing was going wrong, but it led to a really relatively boring day. Uh, all I got to do was just kind of
1: walk many laps around to the venue checking on people. Yeah, yeah. That kind of reminds me of the RPTQ, actually, where it was Ben McDowell and then the two most senior level twos in Georgia. And it's just like, it's the laziest I've ever been at an event, but... It, everything gets done because right. we all know what we're doing like yeah. there was no nothing needed to be defined we all know what needs to be done and... yeah you're not teaching anybody how to do their jobs so yeah. it's not you know that's how I felt with I,
2: my, my uh, the team leads that I had working for me that day were some of the most experienced judges I've ever worked with right. it was like I, I, I don't have anything to teach you about how to run eight person drafts you know mm-hmm. like, so, so it was uh, it was a good day um, other than other than the fact that there were some space issues that we had to deal with uh, how about you, Brian? What were you doing on Friday?
0: Uh, so on Friday I was the uh the the PM Grinders lead. Uh, oh, sorry, Last Chance Trial. Yeah, Last Chance
2: Trial. They don't call them Grinders anymore.
0: Well, they they call the Grinders on the schedule, man. Did they? Yeah.
2: Oops. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so for for those of you that don't know what a a Grinder is, or sorry, a Last Chance Trial is, it's it's kind of uh, unique in the sense that it is a 32 person tournament uh, it is single elimination ooh
2: can, do you want to talk briefly about how that works
0: uh, yeah so what it means is uh, when you lose uh, you're, when you lose your match you're out and so it basically they are timed so 50 minutes at the end of 50 minutes um, uh, if you are if you have won your if you have won a game, Or if you're up a game, so uh, you're in game two and you won the first game, you win. If you are tied, so you both won one game and you're in game three, then it's who's got the highest life total. Uh, To
2: interject there real quick, you still take five additional turns when time is called. In any of these cases, you don't not take the turns because someone's up a game.
0: Right. Uh, So you still have... And then you at the end of those five turns, it's who has the highest life total. And then... If you are tied for games and tied in life total, uh, the game continues with a new state-based action that basically says, really, and the next time someone, uh, someone gain, uh, gains life or loses life, uh, a person with the highest life total wins. So it's basically waiting. It's called sudden death. Basically, we're waiting for a life total change, and no poison tokens don't matter. Poison, um, poison tokens don't matter, and fetches
2: just kill you. <laughs> yeah,
0: fetches are fetches are awful. um Isle Refuge just got a whole yes, lot more playable. So good. Right. So so uh, so it was it was fun. Uh, we were, we fired, I think when I came on, my shift started at 1130. So the doors opened at nine, I believe. And grinder five or sorry, trial number five had just fired, which is very fast. Uh, and then it kind of, you know, kind of tailed off a little bit. But, uh, so what we, what you do is you just have, you have, you have a judge assigned to each grinder and star city does something that's really kind of cool. Um, this is, this is something really neat. Uh, they actually print the first two rounds of the trial at the same time. And you say, well, how can you print the first two rounds? Um, wait, how can you
1: print the first two rounds?
0: Right. Ah, well, I mean, really you can't, no, it's, it's because it's a last chance trial. Okay. or since it's, um, since it's single elimination, what they do is round one, you're paired up against an opponent. So each table has two players for round two. There's actually on the on the pairings. There's four players. Two of them just aren't going to show up. Interesting. Right. And so they actually print the whole bracket out on on, on paper. And you just you have the bracket and you match the you, you match the players up. And then after they've played two rounds of, of they've played two rounds, then you're down to eight players. 32 goes to 16 goes to eight. And then we move those players to a top eight area where we had several top eights going on Hmm. um, simultaneously. And we just had one judge overseeing uh, three or four or maybe even five of these trials going on simultaneously in their respective uh, rounds three, four, and five.
1: So that way, you don't have eight players just holding on to 32 players' worth of seating because you're just waiting on the event to end,
0: or or two players holding sure, down. yes, right. So, that makes we sense. were cool. yeah, so we were able to fit like six uh, six trials worth of worth of uh, top eights in one trial's worth of table space.
1: That's cool. So, yeah, just one thing I want to stress something Brian mentioned, um, is that this is the Basically, the only event ever where you're going to have a timed single elimination, unless somebody times their top eight, which we don't generally recommend. So this is the only types of events where you're going to see that sudden death rule because I, I I hear about it a lot, even at the Swiss events over the weekend. But it's only yeah. in the timed single elimination, and it's because you can't have draws. Draws would make no sense.
0: Right. Single elimination. Yep. So that was that was uh, that was Friday. It was uh, a lot of fun. Uh you still because they are competitive events, you still do have penalties, you still do have deck checks, uh, all of that good stuff. Uh we were kinda over uh a little bit further away from the stage, so I didn't get to I didn't get to see Jess a whole lot. He was probably over there paying attention more to uh to his uh to his uh Swiss events.
2: Right? Uh, I was uh definitely paying more attention to the Swiss events and the the on demand events because between you and Eric, with me and the uh, the on demand or sorry the trials were going pretty smoothly most of the time. I think the only time I stepped over there at all was uh, when you became busy with something and somebody needed to go over there and be the person people talk to if they had an issue. Um, and that was about it. Like I, just, I didn't I, I had more to do with the other events. So, uh, but really like I said, it was kind of a boring day. I just did a bunch of laps around and checking on people and just hey what do you need? How you what can I help you with? Um. So you 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 had way more fun than I did on Friday.
0: Yeah, that's what the word is. Fun. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I have paperwork.
2: Oh, that's that is unfortunate. Um. So CJ, so, you you didn't do Friday. How does that work? Um. So you didn't you didn't get the uh <clears throat> the the joy of any of that. But um. You you uh.
1: You worked on Saturday, though, right? Yeah. So what, what did you do on Saturday? So Saturday and Sunday, I was on side events. So what that generically means is I am just assigned to the pool of people who will handle all of the side events. Um, so side events are generally split into two branches. And there's ODEs, so the on-demand events. And then there's the Swiss events. So the on-demand events are all the, the you know... Let's gather up eight people. Let's have a draft, or let's do a win a box. But now they're for tickets. So I don't know. Do they still call them win a boxes?
2: Uh, they did have oh, win a boxes, but they weren't
1: the same. They weren't the same price structure that win a box mm-hmm. traditionally is because of the tickets. So, and the Swiss events, all of these particular Swiss events, I don't know if this is true of every GP because I'm not by any means a a side events expert. But the Swiss events for this GP were all um, four rounds, and then your prize is just based on your your how well you did. So if you go 4-0, you get this amount of tickets, you go three oh one, you get this amount of tickets, and so on and so forth. That is the
0: best way to do it, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's a great way to do it. Now, now, why is that such a great way to do it?
2: Uh, it's a great way to do it because it scales very well with the number of players that you have. So no matter how many players you have, you're still giving out the same average prizes per player. And in addition to that, you don't have to raise the number of rounds if you have 150 or 200 players sign up for an event. You still only run four rounds. It takes up the same amount of time for all yes. the players and the staff.
0: You know when that event is going to end.
1: <laughs> yes, ideally. <laughs> in a perfect world. So, yeah, so I started the day, so my shift on, on Saturday started at 8 a.m., so that was cool. And uh, I started the day kind of just walking in circles, and I mean literally just walking in circles because there was nothing to do well, right at big, 8 a.m.
0: How big was the circle? Was It It like... was a very small circle. It was around, right around uh,
1: Eric, um, I've forgotten his name, Um uh, I just kept walking around him. You were working in literal circles around a human? Yes. <laughs> I had nothing else to do. I don't like just standing around. <laughs> uh, I don't mind sitting around, but since I was standing, I just started walking in circles. Eric, Eric Alif? Yes. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's it.
0: Um,
2: <laughs> You must have been very confused by this.
0: I'm just imagining if Eric starts to walk somewhere else and CJ just changes the path. Or if around him.
1: Just orbits around him. <laughs> orbits around no, him. that didn't happen, unfortunately. Uh, oh. But so at 9 p.m. was the very first Swiss event. So obviously a lot of on-demand events aren't running, aren't firing at 8 a.m. I don't know if any did at all. Um, but at 9 p.m. was the very first event of the day, and it was a modern event, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, and I remember thinking like, this isn't going to fire. No, Nobody's going to get up at no, 9 a.m. Yep. Um, do you remember the final count on uh, that one? We had a lot. It was over 100. It was close to 150 players. Yeah. I heard 130, 135. Yeah. So that was pretty amazing. I, I actually, I wasn't involved with that event, but I was blown away to see that many people show up. Um, some stats for the weekend we should, we can talk about real quick is uh, uh, Jared Silva sent this out that the GP had around 2,000 players in it, if that's correct. Um, yeah, uh, two, like 2030 something, I think, 2032. Yeah, and then the sides had something like 2300 unique players in it, Uh which is pretty amazing that more people played sides total than played in the GP total, the main event total. So that's pretty crazy, but... It's good, though. Yeah. So I mostly helped out uh, with things like that and helped out with uh, rules calls for, for that morning until uh, I had a 11 a.m. event. Yes. You did have an 11 a.m. Yeah, yes. event. <laughs> I couldn't uh, remember the one of the two 11 a.m. events. Yes. Yeah, it was a dual commander. Dual commander. Uh, I had no idea what dual commander was. I, when, when Jess... That sounds like Yu-Gi-Oh. So, I'm sure Jess will get into this more when we talk about him, but he was the Swiss lead. Sorry, no, Yes, but, I was the Swiss <laughs> events lead. Yeah. So, just, I didn't handle any on-demand events, just yes. the scheduled ones. So, so when Jess and I were talking, I thought dual commander meant two-player commander. So, identical to commander in every way, just two players. Well there are two players. Yes. So But it's not identical. Part of, in that, way. of, that, part of that was correct. <laughs> so yeah, I had to brush up on the rules of Dual Commander. Um I hope I hope this isn't in our F episode somewhere. Like we talked about Dual Commander and I don't remember any of it. But um Somebody's gonna write in and be like the episode Maybe we never got to it. Episode ninety-three. yeah. So so Jess showed me a rules page for dual commander, it's dual commander slash rules.com slash rules. And so the rules are pretty basic. They follow all the rules as commander, except for you start at 30 life. Obviously, it's played one-on-one. Um, actually, that's really the only main different. And then it has a few rules to help it with tournaments. So one thing is uh, you have 55-minute rounds minimum is what they suggest. Um, we actually overruled this for this event because... And had it at 50 minute rounds because we, we really, really, really wanted it to end by 3 p.m. because there was another commander event at 3 p.m. There was, it wasn't just another like dual commander event. There was a big special commander thing happening in the right. commander area. Yeah. So, so we wanted to, to make sure that they could be done and available for that. Uh, another interesting thing, I think Jess originally brought this up was the, you know, on sale that weekend at that place are the new pre decks for commander and the thing about dual Commanders, it has its own banned list, and most importantly, Soul Ring is on that banned list. There's a bunch of other cards too, like uh, Shrimp Mine and Sensei, Sensei's Divining Top and things like that, but the big one is Soul Ring because Soul Ring is in the Precon deck. So that was pretty interesting, and uh, we talked with Steven Zwanger uh, of Star City Games and came to the conclusion that, you know what, if they're playing the Precon deck in its original form, completely unchanged, that's okay. Uh, we'll let them play
0: that. So it's the same kind of thing that we did with Stoneforge? That was yeah, Stoneforge it was Mystic. the same kind of logic there, right? Right.
2: So uh, we didn't want somebody going to the, the, the vendor booth, buying the pre-constructed commander deck to play in this event, and then finding out they couldn't play this deck in this event because of an obscure banned card they didn't even know was in the deck.
0: Right. So so just, I guess, as a, as a reminder for people that might not be around, uh, so back in, like, when Worldwake was, was legal... Uh, Stoneforge Mystic was a card, and uh WotC released a one of those FNM precon decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what are they called? Do you remember what they're event decks? Uh, they called, event decks. Event yeah, decks. yeah. So so the purpose of an event deck is so that you can buy it and then you can play it in in your FNM. And one of the one of the event decks had Stoneforge Mystic in it. Well, shortly after the release, they ended up banning Stoneforge Mystic. But that created a kind of a weird situation because they had Stoneforge Mystic in a deck specifically labeled, by this, you can play it in FNM. Right. So they kind of made an exception where if you played uh, that deck unaltered, you could play it with uh, the Stoneforge Mystic despite the fact that it was banned.
2: And I know of at least one player who decided to try and run that at a
1: PTQ uh, card for card just because he could. (laughs) I'm sure they will start with. So, yeah, fun. the secret, the se- the true secret is uh, if somebody did try to do this with a precon deck, they're not going to do well. So I think that's, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why to allow it in Dual Commander because the, the decks actually built for Dual Commander are going to do far better. Yeah. So, so the one thing about Dual Commander is it does mention that all other rules are the same as Commander. And so I did some quick checking, and I was like, okay, that means we're using partial Paris Mulligan, which... Um, so a few things I did before the event or in in my kind of my opening announcements is I tried to go over the rules real quick because I was pretty confident there are going to be a few people there who are like, hey, I love Commander. I'm going to sit down and play in this in this dual commander format. Right. And not even be aware it was a different format, basically the exact same way I was an hour previous. So I went over a few things like the life totals and all that. But I also went over the mulligan rule because one thing I've observed a lot is a lot of casual play groups don't actually mulligan properly in Commander using partial pairs. They just do regular mulligans because they don't know that it actually has its own mulligan rule. So the partial pairs rule is that you, you know, say you draw an opening hand of seven and you're like, I don't like these five cards, but I want to keep these two lands. You set the five cards aside and then you draw four. And then you can repeat this process as many times as you want. And then in the end, you shuffle all those cards you set aside into your library. That's partial pairs.
0: Is it the push? I've heard it called the Britney Mulligan.
1: Yeah, someone did call it that. I don't know what I've that. I've never meant. heard that before. This. Moment. Yeah, one person at the at the event called it that, and I didn't know what that. Why? Meant. Why is that a thing? What does that? What does I, that mean, I don't know.
0: I I don't know either. But I've, yeah. I've heard it called the Britney Mulligan, and I uh uh I had uh like a like a cousin in law or whatever whose name was was Britney, and she was a little. For sure. uh, I was gonna say not so bright mm-hmm. so so the fact that it was the Brittany Mulligan just when I heard that I was like oh, oh. <laughs> Cause it's named after her <laughs> uh,
1: yeah some other things I went over was uh, the band I didn't obviously read off the entire band list that'd be annoying but I had a bunch of printouts of the band list if anyone needed it uh, I also asked the whole crowd I was like is anyone playing the pre deck luckily no one was so I didn't have to worry about that um, but I I uh, did no, they... but I
0: bought it for the Soul Rings just a little bit prior. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Um, but I did do a quick announcement, you know, that this does have its own banned list. Uh, and I said specifically Soul Ring is banned. And and some players who were familiar with the format kind of piped up with other cards that might um, be banned or, or not banned. Like Ember is not banned in Dual Commander, probably because it's pretty tough to get to that much mana, I would guess. Uh, things hmm. like that. So... Uh, the event went pretty smoothly. There's not too much to talk about. Uh, I don't remember any particularly interesting rulings I made during it. Even though it was commander, you'd think something interesting would come up. But I think I'm going to guess the decks tend towards a little more aggressive. Uh, I saw a lot of like three cost or, or less commanders. Um, but, uh, the one thing that did come up is in round two, a player comes up to me and he shows me a page on the dual commander website on his phone. And it's a, it's a random blog post and it says, Hey, uh, Starting in October, we're going to start using the Vancouver mulligan rules for dual commander. And I'm just like, well, that's great. (laughs) Because it wasn't uh, on their actual rules. It's not on the rules page at all. Uh, And this player had, I don't want to say argued, but he was like, are you sure, you know, earlier? Like, he he was very confused when I said we were using partial pairs. And it turns out it's because he had seen this blog post before. So that was pretty awkward. But I did make the decision... um, To not change, of course. I'm not going to change the rules of the tournament we're playing in the middle of the tournament. Uh, I decided to carry on with Partial Paris, and in the final round, I just made a note to actually uh, just announce that the way dual Commanders truly played is with this different Mulligan rule we're not going to change, but I did apologize for making a mistake since, uh, you know, even though in my heart I don't feel like I was wrong, eh, I was still wrong. So. Oh, well, Brian, what... Uh...
2: What were you up to on the other end of the room on Saturday? Oh, yes, yeah, the is,
0: other is, end of the room. The big room. I, it it was, was a very big room. I was uh, the AM slips lead. So what is what is the responsibility? of The slips team. <laughs> the slips team's responsibility is all the stuff dealing with the slips. Um, it sounds glamorous. Uh, not really. Uh, slip, so slips being match slips. Yes, yeah, oh, the match okay. slips. So all the little the match slips. Um, so I got to be introduced to Walter, which is the new software that they run. Uh, there were some idiosyncrasies with it. Uh, and the the paper cutter that we had was this steel thing with a crank and a lever and a, and a wheel that you had to spin. Uh, it was very, uh, uh, I will say, uh, temperamental, uh, the device was
2: temperamental is a word
0: temperamental is a word yes it was it was fussy uh and you had to you had to like uh talk to it nicely in order to get it to behave um but it cut a lot of paper uh easily uh so you get the little slips out um and then one of the one of the uh i'll call it the thankless jobs of the slip team is you have to sort all the slips at the towards the end of the round Uh, the reason why you do this is because invariably when, when all the judges are going around doing the end of round stuff, uh, getting the slips and getting them up to the scorekeeper, obviously getting all of those slips in is very, very, very important. That's why you have a lot of judges. You have judges sitting on matches and stuff like that, because we need all of those pieces of paper in order to end the round. And if a player, puts one of the you know gets up and puts it in his pocket or is maybe sitting chatting instead of bringing the slip up if we don't catch that that can delay the event Um, additionally one of the things that can delay the event is sometimes pieces of paper stick together and the scorekeeper might miss a slip and so we get all the way to the end and we go "Well, there's table 493 is missing who's got table 493 And so we need to be able to search through, in this particular case, 1000 slips of paper to find that one missing number to determine whether or not we have it or we need to call the players up. And sometimes it, you know, calling the players up takes time. So there are a lot of bodies dedicated towards, uh, you know, five minutes starting, you know, sometimes even 10 minutes before the end of the round, sorting those little slips of paper so that when we need to find something, you know, if we do need to find something, we have it immediately. Uh, so, so, so you mean
2: like if, for example, something might like, get misentered or if a player hasn't brought it up, you can go, do we have slip from the slip from table 720? And you right. can go, oh, it's sorted. That would be right here and find yeah. where it should be. Yes.
0: So not not only is it useful when you're ending, you know, say round four, but at the beginning of round five, when players come up and say, Hey, I was improperly dropped or hey, uh, my match points are wrong, you know, and then it says, okay, well, you played at table 692 last time. I need slip 92 and boom, you've got it so that you can resolve those issues and you can get those players playing and the impact to your turnaround time or you don't have to give those players as big of an extension because you had that time. So the slips team is one of our responsibilities at the end of the round is making sure that we can turn the round faster and that at the beginning of the round that we have the information we need so that the impact is lessened. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a pretty important task, but it seems pretty, uh, um, you know, it can be mindless. Uh, and then between those activities of getting the slips out and then getting back at the end and sorting the slips, obviously you're, you're on the floor uh, making rulings and stuff like that. So, and then Sealed is a fun format. Uh, the deck swap, uh, it's going to probably be a while before players are used to it. Uh, the questions of, oh, I just give it back? Or do I have to give it back? You mm-hmm. know, those things were, there was a lot of those questions. Uh, so the way it works now at Sealed Events is you open your packs, uh, the other person gets to see what you're opening. Then they open their packs and you see what they're doing. And then you trade these uh, uh, your your piles and they register your pool and you register theirs. And then when you're done, you give it back. Uh, this uh, since this was different from a lot of events in the past, uh, anytime you do change, there is growing pains and and people were were having trouble. Uh, or some people were having trouble uh, uh, reconciling past sealed events with this new process. So,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I expect that that's going to be something people would just get used to as they see it as time wears on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the, that and the fact that the packs need to be marked at the competitive events.
0: Now this um, this was something really cool that Star City did, and I've seen other uh, other To's do this at other sealed events as well, but. What we handed out was actually a sealed deck box, and in that deck box was a deck list. And the six packs and the deck box itself had a little hologram sticker on it too. Hmm. So, uh, it was, and they were all in these nice little boxes. So at the beginning of the event, all the judges got, just got into a line, grabbed, uh, grabbed a box, and that box was good for a row. And they were assigned a row. And yeah, so we just went out there and passed the boxes out. And, uh, that, that right there, uh, it's really nice. It's really nice from the players' perspective. It's really nice from the judges' perspective. Uh, the tos have to put in a lot of work to prepare that in advance. So, uh, but it's it's definitely definitely worth it. Mm-hmm. I wish that was a standard.
2: Awesome. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah. It's it's uh, it's really nice when things are sorted ahead of time, and and that's true not just for main event stuff, but really for anything when stuff is sorted ahead of time when, when things have been thought through. It makes our job as judges a whole lot easier. Um, and if you're doing this on a local level, you can actually help a TO do that by telling that I mean, A lot of times an organizer might be willing to help you out, but they don't know what you need. So letting them know ahead of time, this is what needs to be organized before this PVTQ starts uh, is actually really helpful to kind of yep. bring that back down from a GP level to how does this apply to everyday events. Um, maybe not everyday, but but regular events, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But Speaking of regular events and regular <laughs> REL. Yeah, I should um, mention
1: that all Swiss events are at regular REL.
2: All of the side events were at regular rules enforcement yeah, level at a, the a, of the right. a, at a Grand Prix. Um, whether it was the Swiss events or the, the, the only ones that are not anymore at a Grand Prix are the Trials that happened on Friday and the Super Sunday series that happens on Sunday, which is a massive competitive event for people to play in if they didn't make Day 2. Because uh, there's a cut from Day 1 to Day 2 at the Grand Prix. Uh, so for the Swiss events, um, that were happening on Saturday, uh, as CJ mentioned earlier, I was the lead. And, uh, basically that means my job was to, um, I I had a team of judges and I would assign head judges to each of the, um, each of the Swiss events. And if they needed any, any, uh, help with things or weren't sure of things, they'd come talk to me. Um, it's a little weird structurally to have a head judge and also a lead above that head judge. Um, in that if necessary, I can step in and act as the head judge for that event. It's kind of like a, a head judge and then another layer of head judge. <laughs> um, but, uh, but really my job wasn't to head judge the tournaments. My job was to make sure that each tournament had everything it needed and all the head judges were, were getting the like, trains run on time. The trains run on time basically mm-hmm. is my job. And, uh, it's, it's, You know, it's very middle management. Like, I think I only took a couple of judge calls that I just happened to be out on the floor and someone called the judge and I was closest, so I took it. But, uh, my first, my primary responsibility was actually away from the players most of the time. Uh, and it left me, um, it left me in a situation where uh, I didn't get to interact with the players as much as I might normally like to, but I still had a really good time organizing all of that. Uh, we had some delays with some events that, that got a little awkward. Uh, if for any players that were there, they know that. But um, but overall, I would say the, the things ran relatively smoothly um, given, uh, given the size of the events that we were handed. As CJ mentioned, we had a hundred and something pl- player event right off the bat. So um, so things went pretty well,
1: uh, all things considered, during that day um, from, from my perspective. Yeah, so one of the things uh, I did after my issue, my uh, event was over, was the 1 p.m. sealed I helped out with that. and That event was huge. It was huge. I, I wasn't there at the beginning because my event started at 11 and right. around 3.30. But, um, yeah, the 1 p.m. sealed was huge, but it had the unfortunate instance of, of DCR losing the first round after they did it. And uh, what that meant was the my understanding is the scorekeeper had to recreate the event using only the match slips from scratch while everyone waited and unfortunately so the head judge is matt carr and um at that time when this happened he was on break so sarah ellis was filling in and poor sarah had to there were a lot of players that were getting upset with her yeah they're getting upset i mean i don't think they were being like mean or anything i talked to her but still you know they want to know what's up and they want to know why this can happen and, and it's really unfortunate um because we don't we don't want the event to go an hour longer either, right? Like <laughs> that's nothing we want. All, all everything we do is is meant to be as efficient as possible.
0: No, we were laughing in the back. Yeah, we were like, right. Oh, no, we're not suckers. having a good time either.
1: Um. So yeah, that was really unfortunate. But um, I think Sarah did a good job. I only spoke with her briefly, but I, I was I was put on this event after my event, and uh, I spoke to Matt for a while too. And I think Matt did it, did the best job he could because you know as time wore on. Some of these people wanted to play in other events and he did everything he could just to make sure that, that we could take care of them as best, as best as we could. And in the end, what happened was uh, like a lot of these players wanted to play in a 6pm modern, and by all reasonable expectations, they should have been able to, but um, uh, what ended up happening is SCG created a 7pm modern as well, so that these players and players in the other event that uh, had the exact same thing happen, where a round was lost, uh, could actually still get to play in the modern that they they wanted to. Uh,
2: additionally, they, uh, they added an extra half hour to registration for the on-demand events. Yes. Um, now, this was a change that was made in a hurry. Um, and, and from a customer service perspective, I firmly believe that that's the right choice. However, there was a communication issue that, that ended up causing us a problem in that they didn't tell the on-demand event judges mm-hmm. that they were extending the registration for an extra half hour. So we ended up letting people go earlier than we should have with that extra half hour registration, yeah, there was this this
1: this half hour of just getting slammed with events. It was really harsh. Yeah, and I, I know you stayed because of a just. Yes. I did. If, uh, if I had known that it happened, I would have stayed. So sure, I, I, I had no, no idea. Nobody
2: knew it was. Yeah, we left. We let everybody go, and then I turned around and was like, "Why are we getting this rush? Why are people still in line?" Right. And uh, and then they're like, "Oh, well, we said it had a half an hour." And I'm like, well, "I'm the only one left from the AM shift. I guess I'm sticking around." Yeah. And when <laughs> I saw the line, I thought it was for the modern. Like, I right. Thought, so did I. Yeah. So that's why so I didn't know. That's that's why we had the problem. Uh, but, yeah. Um, but other, than, but as far as the the decision to make those events and extend that, I I I'm very glad they did that. Um, yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. One thing they had this infinite challenge badge mm-hmm. that was um, you could play in all of the challenge events. That's a lot of the Swiss events all weekend uh, for free if you purchase the badge. Uh, so you can play as many of them as you want. Now this was great except for that 1 p.m. sealed event that you mentioned because mm-hmm. by the time you got involved with it, there were what 100 and Fifty, uh, probably about 120 players in it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And,
2: and when we started, there were over 200. Mm-hmm. And we we had we had like 80 something, 90 something drops. Yep. Uh, from that event between deck construction and round one. Yep. Uh, because people just like, oh, I've got this free event. I'm gonna get in and get my six packs and leave. Right. And that on its own, just processing that many drops caused a delay to the beginning of round one. Yeah. So how did how did they handle the drops during that day? So what they did, you know. uh, I, I do know what they did. They actually said uh, Matt Carr knew that there were going to be a lot of drops mm-hmm. uh, correctly, and uh, he sat everybody down. Uh, as he was passing out product, he said, if you would like to take your product and drop from this event, I need you to stand up and line up right here. And they, made, they just had an extra set of pairings for the drops, and they just checked people's names off on the pairings oh, with a highlighter. As those people came up in line, like, what's your name? Okay, Phew. this person's dropped. And then, so we got up to the scorekeeper to drop during deck instruction. Mm-hmm. Um So because of that, the delay was significantly lower than it could have mm-hmm. been. So that was a really good call on his part.
1: Uh, so does anyone else have anything else you want to talk about from Saturday? I don't think I do. Yeah, Brian? Brian, I think you're muted.
0: I am muted, but that's okay. I was just stuttering and stammering out the <laughs> word no. Cool. Um...
1: Yeah, so, I do, because none of us have talked about rulings at all, and I think that's because, like... I didn't really take any. I didn't any. take, like, even in, like I said, in the Duel Commander, I didn't take many. The one I took the most was, if you counter an Awoken spell, do they still get the land? And the answer no is not. Uh, of I had a couple ones, a couple of interesting rulings on Sunday. We want to jump there and talk about that.
2: Yeah. Um, I was uh, the logistics team lead for the main event, okay. which is the first time I touched the main event all weekend. Right. Uh, Friday and Saturday I worked on side events, so I was in the I was the logistics team lead for the main event. And logistics on a main event of a of a limited Grand Prix on day two has a few different responsibilities. Uh, the The main responsibility they have is setting out the draft product because unlike the first day where they get these sealed packs that they open up the draft product has already been opened and prepared uh, into individual sets that that are given out and these sets are just loose cards that have been bound by pieces of paper Mm -hmm. and they've been stamped with a special stamp that tells you that this card came out of this pack each pack has a different stamp so so we can know for certain that no cards have been added to these drafts and the idea behind that being that it's 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 significantly easier to uh, to uh, add cards in a draft than it would be in a sealed because in sealed, the other person sees you open them and then registers them right away. And in a draft, you are the only person who sees the pack you open. So we have these stamp, stamp products to, to mitigate that. Now, the logistics team's job is to set up table numbers, set up pod numbers, get all of that product out, make sure it's guarded so that nobody steals any of it. And then when the players are sitting, um, to then make sure everything is set up for them to play as well, with, again, with the table numbers and anything else that they need. Um, then we don't have a whole lot to do until the second draft happens just before round four. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did get some interesting rulings. Um, we, we had uh, some, some very good plays where... People were countering planar planar cleansing, I think it is, by uh, destroying the land when it was awoken. Yeah, we, we talked about that. We, uh, we about did. That. We, did the, we talked about that on our release notes episode, yeah. if I remember correctly. And uh, a few other things where people were awakening the same land twice to give it more counters and push through more damage. That's cool. Um, you know, because a lot of people think, oh, it's just a 3-3. I don't want to make it a 3-3 yet. But that's not how that works. Right. It, it just adds more counters. Right. Um. And so I I did get to see some good magic blade, which is one of my favorite things about working day two is you get to see really good magic blade. What were you guys doing on day two? Uh
0: well I was back on back on sides, I was the ODE lead, which was kinda cool in this fact that I have actually never worked ODEs at all. <laughs> so being being made the lead and coming in, uh uh was interesting uh so uh made sure that we were aware of the system so for for ode's there's kind of an uh the system that we had was kind of neat uh and not unlike a lot of other systems uh at various gps so we had a printer brackets would come off the printer um what was, well, let's start with player registration. So the players would register and then they would immediately, the line would empty into a waiting area, uh, with chairs and stuff like that for the players to sit in. Yeah. I like and then that. when the bra- yeah, because, uh, nothing is worse than when the players go wandering off, uh, for, for your eight, uh, for your eight person event. Um, so, and what Star City was also doing was they were some, uh, ODEs uh would fire a little bit slower, like uh uh modern mm-hmm. uh or uh <laughs> legacy or even vintage. There was like one vintage uh ODE event that fired. Hmm. That was kinda neat. Uh, was, a, was would, it you,
2: ODE or was that a challenge? Yeah, I knew there was a challenge. There was a ten person vintage challenge that fired on uh uh that launched on uh Saturday. Was there one on Sunday?
0: Yeah there was there was a uh there was a, a like a winner box. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, so, um, I'm gonna bring so, out
2: thousands and thousands of dollars worth of cards to win this box worth hundred and ten.
0: Sure. Hey, man, that was three hundred prize wall tickets. <laughs> One hundred if you got second place. Uh. So what? Uh. So what would happen is it would empty out into this area. Then when it was filled up, we would get a a bracket of eight players who would come out and and star city has a sheet where if it's a if it's a draft it's got the players the bracket where to seat them at the table it's real nice um so you get the um uh you get that and then there's someone working what's called the board and in this particular event the board was really just a uh laminated map of the room and uh, or at least the area that we had assigned to it. And you would say, okay, well, this is draft, uh, 38. So in blue, because that was the, the color that we used for drafts, you would pick a table that was unavailable or that was currently available and you'd write 38 down. Uh, you'd hand the, the, uh, the bracket to a judge. Another judge would hand him the product that he needed for the draft. And then he would, you know, announce draft thirty eight and he'd gather up the eight players and he'd take them to that assigned table. Basically uh, the,
2: the board is a really elaborate form of battleship. <laughs> like it's yeah. like where's this draft going? b thirty seven
0: a seven
2: and then you right. hope it misses and there's nobody already sitting there <laughs> yeah
0: that that does actually um so so running the board occasionally like the judge will come back and is like you sent me to l three and there's already something there at l three and then you gotta look and you're like ah oh, uh they they sat they sat the the people that should be at l at m three they sat them at l three all right so that means m three's empty so take them back to m three So take them and you correct the board so you'd go off and you get those players going and then that judge comes back to hopefully grab the next sheet of paper that comes off the printer uh and so those judges are are sometimes called runners uh because what they're doing is is just they're just fire and return fire and return fire and return um then we also have judges who are uh collecting results and giving out the prizes. So as the players finish their matches, uh, they come up to report the results. So they have all of the brackets in front of them. So you say, I'm in draft 28. They find the sheet of paper for draft 28. You go, okay, this person won. And you may or may not tell them who their next round opponent is. Um, then when the player comes up, the, the winner and says, I won. My name is is Fu. Here's your prizes, Foo. And then you turn that bracket over to another judge who is going to be entering the results in. And that spot gets freed up. The spot that was allocated to that event gets freed up on the board for the next for the next guys that that roll off. And on Sunday, there was a point in time that we were very close to running out of space uh, I think we ended up firing at when I left. We were almost at 140 drafts. Um, that is a, for
2: those of you that don't know, that is a lot for most Grand Prix. Yeah, <laughs> for
0: a single day. Yeah, so that's where that's where we were. That was pretty cool. Um, so little problems, problems that you you end up uh, uh, you end up dealing with are, let's see here, uh, some of some of the fun ones are. We go out to a table and there's already people playing there. Uh, you can't find, uh, you're, you're missing a player, so you have to grab a player. You know, you're missing a player for draft 15, so you have to go find a player from draft 16 to put in his place, but draft 16 is already, the bracket's already gone and fired off. Uh, so you gotta reach into 17. Um, players will sometimes not come up and report and play the wrong opponent. Um, the, the weirdest thing I heard was there's a mustard spill in on like G4 and the table's unplayable, um, which is kind of random, <laughs> it's kind of random. Um, but all in all, it was, it was, a it was a, a good day. It had a lot of good people, a lot of high energy, uh, running around, uh, you know, Ryan Hoffman did an amazing job, uh, uh as a, as a, as a runner. So it was it was great. I learned a lot. Uh being my first time, one thing is paying attention to line management was was uh an area for improvement for me for next time. Uh like with ODEs your your one of your responsibilities is throughput. Okay? Just get them going, get them playing, get them playing. Uh realistically, uh take their money as quickly as possible. Hmm. And get them get them playing so that they can finish, and you can take more of their money later. That's
2: a that's a very cynical way of looking at it, but I like oh, to think no. of it as have the players have the, the maximize their fun. Waiting is not fun, and Waiting we need to make sure fun. that they are not they are not doing things that are not having fun, and we need to maximize the amount of time they're doing things that are fun.
0: I'm just looking at it from I used to play Roller Coaster Tycoon. Right, <laughs> right,
2: right, right, right. But yes. but it's important to that the reason that we do this is uh, the reason they, they do spend money is because they're having fun. So yes. so if you if you if you are maximizing throughput at the expense of fun, uh, then you end up with the opposite problem where no one comes back, uh, which is also bad.
0: Yes. So uh, a lot of players, uh, even as lead, uh, I fired a few drafts. One player, uh, when we we're getting ready, getting ready to fire, he's he's asking me like. He's like, hey, you play, uh, you play Smash Brothers? I was like, I play a little bit. He's like, who's your favorite character? And I'm like, oh, uh, Samus. And he's like, there was another judge here who said his favorite character, his favorite uh, character was Falco. And I was just like, and I was like, really? He's like, you need to fire that guy. <laughs> and I was like, I know exactly who you're talking about. Who was it? Yeah, now I need to know. How did you know who it was? It's there's only one person. Okay, what, what care? What game is Falco from? star fox yeah right Raven fox raven Raven fox Fox, raven fox raven fox yes it's full circle
1: (laughs) all right why wouldn't you like star fox then anyway so i was on sides on sunday too so i I actually requested sides for this event because i have not done them in like five years uh partially because i don't get to as many gps as these other guys so you know it's not you know i don't have as many opportunities but i hadn't done them since i was a little one so i wanted to see what it's all about and um So my shift on Sunday was 1 to close, 1 p.m. to close. uh, And I made the mistake of walking in at 1230 because I naturally got put straight to work um, by Brian, I believe.
0: (laughs) And I needed bodies at that time. Yeah,
1: clearly. And so I helped fire a uh, team draft. So what was interesting about that is I had never done a team draft before, ever. And so I asked for a quick rundown of the procedure. Um, I knew it was 3v3. And I suspected you would alternate how they sit because you don't want to draft. You don't want to pass your team or like two people on your team would just get nuts decks. Um, so I got all that down. But then I didn't I didn't really understand how the play would work. Uh, so I asked and uh, you you still pair them in in like the X shape because you're not going to play who you're sitting, who you're drafting to. So the two middle people will play play each other. And then the outer people are like an X. And that was good. Uh, but when I got my printout, I was like, so I don't need like brackets or anything. And they're like, no, you don't need brackets because it's a team draft. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. So I took that to mean they play three matches. Like each one of those people play that match. And then when you're done, whoever has two match wins, wins the, the event, so to speak. Uh, yeah, I, that's not what that means. That's not what that means. And of course the players were on top of it. Right. Good. Like, like, yeah, I said, I said, okay, so that's how you're going to do it. And they're like, no, you play five match, You play till somebody wins five matches. And I was like, ah, uh, that's, I was asking about that, but that's not what I was told. But so, one thing to say here is, you know, obviously I messed up, but players are really willing to be forgiving if you say just, hey, hold on, let me go find out. And I did. And obviously I was wrong. Uh, you are definitely playing to five match wins. So basically, they're going to play round robin at the most. Like, everyone will play everyone at the most. So that's that's why they have no bracket. There's no need. Is my math wrong there, Jess? Hmm. Okay, okay. Um, so, yeah, that was interesting. That was the only ODE I fired because I then was immediately put onto the 1PM sealed, which had about 210 players, and, and as Jess talked about earlier, about 70 of those dropped. Oh, is it the same thing Sunday? Uh, I, was th- I was thinking of Saturday when I was talking about it. Yeah, yeah, you were talking about the Saturday one. I'm talking yeah. about the Sunday one now. Same same thing happened? Exact same thing. Okay. And I think oh. because they knew that was gonna happen, they were a little more prepared for it. Even though it sounds like they were pretty prepared on yours too. Yeah, they were relatively prepared. Yeah. the delays we had weren't really related that that much. So what happened this time is Callie and um I don't know if it was Ward or Sean Hunt. They look identical to me and I hope that I'm listening. <laughs> I actually can't tell which is which. Uh, one of, they all came out and they had all the product on a big cart and they just said, if you intend to drop, line up in front of this cart. And so they had everyone line up and anyone who wanted to drop, uh, they just kind of marked down their name at that point. Maybe they marked it off pairings. I'm not 100% sure how they handled it. And then, um, everyone else, Stayed in their seat, and then we we handed out deck boxes to those people. And what was kind of nice about this is, I guess the main event had leftover um, pre-registered pools, so these were all pre-registered pools. Now this is a regular area event, so they didn't have to register the pools in the first place. But it was nice to have these uh, already opened little boxes that we could just pass out, and we didn't have to worry about cleaning up a bunch of trash from packs or um, or, or anything like that. So that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. That was that was interesting uh because uh, the the head judge that was Matt's event, right? No, yes, yes, sorry. Yeah. But yeah, not so Matt, Matt Carr. This is Matt Williams. No, Matt Williams. Yeah, about about a half an hour for the event he's like he's like, Hey, we got this this sealed challenge coming up and I'm like, All right. He's like, We got uh we're we're using uh the pre-reg pools for the uh from the main, the leftover pre reg pools. And I was like, ah, oh, that's cool. Wait. And he's like, yeah, and we just have that moment where we're just kind of like looking at each other going like, oh, wow. And uh, uh, there was another judge who was like, wait, why? Why is that bad? That sounds awesome. I was like, yeah, well, what about all the people that just want to drop with their six packs? And he's like, so? like, Well, now they got six opened packs. Yeah, so they did mitigate
1: that. In the line, they had either you could take six packs or you could take the pre-reg pool. If you take the pre-reg pool, you get a deck box. But if you take the packs, you get packs. So, and they just gave everyone a choice. Yep. So, seems good. Uh, and someone did open an expedition, because a few players are joking, like, oh, the pre-reg means we're not going to get any expeditions. It's like, no, nah, come on. SCG has enough money. They don't need to start stealing expeditions from players.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a I've heard players say something like it before, and I'm not sure they understand that it's uh, the volume that these vendors, these GP vendors or working at, right. they, they they don't have any incentive to look through for the expeditions. It actually takes more time to do that than it does to just open the packs mm-hmm. and get, eventually get them. Like, yeah. it's it, it's fine.
0: Plus, plus with, with, with media and stuff like that, what it is today, you know, you would get, if it, it was, something would happen, something right. would come out. If someone it's, found
1: it's, your stash of 30 expeditions, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, over.
0: It's not worth... Like even if you were considering it, it's not worth a hit to your reputation. You know, like how how many expeditions would would it would be worth it for you to sacrifice it being found out that you removed even one? Right,
1: right. So uh the rest of the day was pretty pretty standard. Um I mostly helped out with that sealed event. Uh like we said, Matt Williams was head judge, but uh, I I was head judge when he was on break and I was there for the rest of that event. Uh after that, the the level threes had a secret meeting and secret with a K. Secret with a K. <laughs> it was spelled with a K. Yeah, and and the K was like backwards and right and I don't know if Crooks was joking or not, but he temporarily made me Swiss lead. CJ Crooks was joking. Uh, commonly voted first best CJ. Uh, <laughs> further slots are in dispute at the moment. <laughs> but isn't <clears throat> there only
2: other like I, I, off the top of my head? I can only think of one other CJ that's L two plus in the
1: program. Uh. Uh-huh. All right, right. and um, yes, it's, it's a rivalry between me and Stanball. I mean, I'm not going to try to take Crooks' spot. He's obviously best CJ, but second place. <laughs> so I don't know if he's joking or not, but I did try to take it seriously because. Uh, I had to do something, and the event was winding down anyway. I don't think he was joking. Yeah. Was probably well, like, well, I, well, I've gone, you're in charge. Yeah, we so he did. He said, he said you're in charge. And I was like, well, I don't have access to the database you're all using to keep track of everything. He's like, that's fine. And then he said, don't let anyone go. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Uh, luckily, I stumbled upon the idea uh, based on something Crooks had said earlier um, about how he was staffing me uh, to to start shifting all of the mid-shift people to uh, Joe Klopczyk, who was made temporary sides lead or something, temporary in charge of something. That was also CJ Crooks' responsibility. Tear down? Yeah. And I started giving them all to Texas Joe, Joe Klopchik, and I started putting only late shift people on the events, which makes sense to me because that way the late shift people will always be there to finish the events, and as the mid-shift people reach the end of their shift, they can leave. Um, But I started circling around four of the five events because I didn't know one of them existed, so... My bad on that one, but it seemed to be fine without me. Uh, and just slowly taking away judges is basically what I did, and gave them all to the tear down. And then once all of the Swiss events were done, or CJ Crooks was back, uh, I also helped with tear down, which is very labor intensive. Like it was hard work. Uh, those so S C G has these like street signs, and they have table numbers on them. Those signs, not even talking about the poles or the base, the sign that has the number on it is actually really heavy in a pile. Like. you you wouldn't believe it because they look like they're just cardboard.
0: no I've moved a few of those sizes
1: now we know how Ryan Hoffman got ripped I know yeah and then not to mention the poles I had to carry around and the basis to those poles is heavy and I had to walk around the venue twice looking for an Johnny banner that I learned was missing at the previous GP also so that's what happened to that one who who, who told you was it Alderfur that told you that no it wasn't Alderfur it was someone else but yeah Um, things like that collecting hedrons aligning the hedron network as we might know because they have those random zentagar hedrons.
2: Yeah, I've uh, heard that other. same joke like four, three or four GPS. Yeah, really those
0: those have to go back into the kit. Yeah, I don't know where they go, I don't know what happened to those.
1: But if you say they're in the
0: kit, well, it. I don't know if they're in the kit, but they collect them
1: all up. Yeah, yeah, we definitely collect them and put them in a big pile. And the I saw.
0: PM uh, PM sides lead is probably one of the most thankless jobs in the sense of. Uh, at the end of the day when it comes down to tear it when it comes to tear down like the judges just want to leave mm-hmm. and you've got depending on how they do the event you've got this weird period of time where events have started winding down but you can't yet start breakdown of the big stuff that you need a lot of bodies for mm-hmm. so there's this this lull where you can't let them go but you know, it might have a few too many judges to to keep them all busy
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then they start getting antsy yeah I they want to leave and you got to keep them because you're going to need them in a half an hour to an hour yeah around. so you're
2: like trying to find busy work yeah you're, you're, try, you're, try, you're trying to try to like stuff that needs to be done that somebody needs to do at some point and just
1: throw people at it mm-hmm. um, yeah taking down gp is a lot of work and we don't even do all of it right the sd right. guys stay after everything's right. done and, and they finish it up but we do as much as we can and uh it's so much work and you're already really tired right well i am i don't know about everyone but uh yeah it's hard work and i was sore the next day but so,
0: so i guess here here's something to i guess to keep in mind we haven't talked a lot hardly any about any rulings that we had because when you're in a lead position which most of us were at as ver- at various points of the day your job is really managing the people mm-hmm. as a, as opposed to to taking rulings out on the floor. Yeah, I mean, I took three, can I go to the
1: bathroom rulings?
0: Yeah. I nailed them. Did you? Yeah. Did you send them to the wrong one? I said, yes. (laughs) Okay, And then I stood there.
2: (laughs) I I took some questions about, let's see, uh, I had a question about Undergrowth Champion. Uh, Undergrowth Champion... The prevents damage. Yeah, it has counters on it, as long as it has plus one, plus one counters, you prevent all damage, it will be dealt to it in a Mm one, plus one counter. And uh, somebody asked if it's... Uh, blocked by multiple creatures do you remove just one counter or a number of counters equal to the number of creatures that's a fair question and that's that's a good question Mm -hmm. the answer is that damage combat damage is processed as one event so you only remove one counter unless you have some some double strike or first strike going on that that makes it happen more than once
0: i i had uh i had one one call i go out on the uh, on the o d e events I got called over from a commander pod by by an l two judge i won't say his name maybe I will but no no <laughs> uh and the and the question is uh they're playing commander and he has a cormis bell out uh which is a card from unlimited that makes all your swamps uh one one creatures uh that can still tap for mana um and an orberg orberg or Berber- now I'm doing a CJ here. Yeah, er, it's Borg. like the board, but er. er hmm. Borg. Uh He's got an erborg out, and then someone plays Sudden Spoiling.
1: Resistance is fertile.
0: Yes. I should and mention the that
1: is... someone had a sign of Porculus. Of yes, somebody yes.
2: did have a sign of
0: a,
1: a Porculus. A... I shouldn't have interrupted your story, but <laughs> you just reminded no, me fun. of
2: it.
0: It's fine. Um, yeah, well, j- jumping on that, uh, met a lot of fans of the show. Yeah. Um, well, wait, you have to finish what the answer was. The well, so I go over there. I go over there. I see the judge with his hand up, calling judge, and I just stop because it's regular. You can be like, you know, well, you can't answer your own question, right? And so, so the question is, if you have a Cormas Bell out turning all of your swamps into one-one creatures, and you have a Herborg Tomb of Yawgmoth out making all of your land, sw- everybody's land swamps, and someone plays a sudden spoiling. Uh which is um all creatures become zero two creatures and lose all abilities, and it has split second. Mm. Uh the first question is can your Cormas Bell swamp things uh tap for mana?
2: Split second doesn't prevent mana abilities from being activated.
0: So Split Second does not. Well you can float the mana before split second resolve or before sudden spoiling resolves. Yep. Sure that's a, not a problem because it hasn't resolved yet but the question is after it resolves can your lands tap uh mm-hmm. can your lands tap for mana? Uh they cannot. They cannot. Yeah. Uh because when they become a swamp uh in the type layer they're gaining the ability. I mean it, it's not even it's not even a timestamp question. Uh they're gaining the ability to tap for uh no um they're gaining the ability to tap for black when Urborg changes their type to a swamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, and then which, later in layer six, they, that ability is removed. Yep. So, I'll talk about one ruling, and I wasn't even involved in it, but a friend of mine was playing, and I'm going to just help me out with the cards, but I think it was modern. So, Jess, there's a card that says, uh, put a creature from your hand onto the battlefield, but it's not sneak attack. Uh, In modern? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's modern. Could have been Legacy. It's a, dramatic, dramatic entrance? I think mean, dramatic entrance will do that, but nobody plays that card. It's red. It's All right. red, it's not sneak attack? Yeah, it wasn't sneak attack. So, the other card was um, Containment Priest. So sure, okay. Through the Breach. Through the Breach. Oh, right, right,
2: right. Yeah, um, sure. okay. So it says, it. put a
1: creature card from your hand into play. That creature has haste. Sacrifice that creature at end of turn. And then, uh, so his opponent casts through the Breach. And so in response, he casts Containment Priest, which says if a known token creature would enter the battlefield and it wasn't cast, exile it instead. Um, the question is, does the opponent have to put a creature out? So... Through the breach doesn't say you may put a creature card from your hand into play. That's a really good question. Yeah, I thought it was a great question. That's um, an excellent question. What did you tell them? Well, they had already handled it on their own before then. I didn't take the ruling, but oh, okay. <clears throat> um, but I can tell you the answer is that you do not have to put a put a card out.
2: Right, because it's asking for something of a specific quality from a hidden zone. So be, because it's yeah. for because it's looking for something with a specific quality in a hidden zone. And the opponent, uh, you, the opponent has no way to verify that you don't have any of that, Wait, or do have any of that card through through the breach.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh.
2: So you, you put a card, for, a creature
0: card
1: from your hand, onto the battlefield. Yeah. Oh, it gets,
0: the, the Oracle text actually says you may put a creature card from oh, your hand. Oh, it on does. The oh, look at that. That is why. Oh, that's the
1: confusion. That would be why. Okay, I was gonna say because, like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, my explanation means nothing. Yeah. Because um, I was gonna say like. That's for searching hidden zones, but maybe it also applied to your hand. I see. They fixed it. When you look at the Oracle text, it just makes everything so easy. Yep. So, um, all right. Um, so, so here's the thing. A little twist to it is, is my friend, um, the opponent was convinced that you actually did have to put a creature out. And so the opponent exiled a numerical. And so did my friend do anything wrong there? As long as he didn't tell them that he had to exile. Yeah, Major. he knew that that the opponent did not. Of course, he didn't speak up, but uh, he knew that they did not have to. But it is you may. Yeah, but
0: hmm. huh?
1: I don't. I don't
2: think he did anything wrong because his wrong. opponent, his opponent, did not commit a rules infraction. Correct. His opponent did something legal and exiled yeah. it in local. So. So now the important thing is here. Why hasn't anybody gotten through the breach altered to look like the Kool Aid Man busting through a wall? <laughs> That's
1: the important. That thing. is important. I wow! Need, need, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah but, Oh yeah Yeah so I thought That was an interesting Question until <laughs> I read the Oracle text Which I had not done Before this moment So Splice, right. onto Just write that splice down. on the Kool-Aid about Splice that on that kool Splice on a Kool-Aid Needs to be a oh, mechanic. Splice yeah. on a Kool-Aid uh, Maybe an a So Yeah because yeah, in the trailer They show that angel feather And it turns to red And everyone assumes it's blood But I bet it's Kool-Aid Kool-Aid Yeah Splice on the Kool-Aid Splice on a Kool-Aid's coming Alright Y'all have anything Further here first <laughs> Y'all have anything else You want to talk about From the GP
0: Uh, it was, I think next GP I'm going to go for, I think I'm going to ask for a floor judge role. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just like, uh, I was like, you know, I've done this whole leadership thing. I think I just want to be a guy on the floor.
2: Yeah. I see that frequently it, uh, it opens. Yeah. So I don't,
0: I don't. Oh yeah. When, uh, at, uh, at the Atlanta open last month, I was a floor judge. I loved it. Yeah, it's great because you're
1: like, I don't have any responsibilities. Like, all I have to do is not get judge calls wrong. Yeah, no, that's right. that's kind of why I requested sides. Like, uh, you know, obviously, I don't get as many uh, team lead roles as you all do, but I get quite a few, and it was nice. I didn't have to really prep for this event. I didn't have to, you know, make sure I would take care of my team or anything yeah. like that. I was I was the head judge, and Yuja was the only judge. Um, or I was just a floor judge, and it was pretty nice. Just as a little break.
0: It is. It's. It's amazing. Not have. Or it's. It's. It's a wonderful feeling when the only person's break you have to worry about is your own. Yes.
1: Uh, all right. So let's let's dive into some news real quick, and then we'll wrap this episode up. Sounds good. Sounds great. So one of our first bits of news is that we have a new level three in the program. Weird. From GP Atlanta, some might guess. Uh, and that is the esteemed John Temple, who you might remember from our Judge of the Week episode. We had him on before. Uh it was almost two years ago. Yeah, yeah, a long time ago. It was. But I think we can say that anyone who's ever been a guest on Judge Cash will eventually become level three.
0: Uh, I think we can confidently state this uh, as the truth. We, Given the evidence that we have, <laughs> I think you cannot refute the fact yeah. that eventually everyone... I mean... Hmm... <laughs> I don't, don't remember really out? Can you, point out mm-hmm. can you point out one example of a judge who will never, never, be never make a level three?
2: Mm, if I could, I probably
1: wouldn't say that publicly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I win. Uh, wow. <laughs> it's also worth mentioning that I was on a previous episode of Card Advantage. I'm on Card Advantage like once every month or two to talk about flavor. Uh, this time we talked about Innistrad, so if you are interested in such things, the episode actually hasn't been posted yet, but it will soon. So go check out their website at cardadvantagecast.com. And you can listen to me and others talk about Innistrad and give some wild speculation. Although I didn't have the Kool-Aid theory at that point. I wish I did. Now. Now I know. Like, I feel like maybe I can get them to edit
0: it. In. So, so is... is oh, yeah. Yeah. Are we gonna, oh, yeah. Are we going to get rid of the... Is Garrick going to... Uh, Get rid of the curse? No. In uh, in the in the block? No. 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 Is he cursed for good?
1: Yes. Because otherwise, they—I mean—you have Nickel Bullets, you have the Phyrexians, and you have the Eldrazi, and you need a little more down-to-earth villain. Like,
0: oh, he's a villain now.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, I think it's pretty writing on the wall that he's yeah. going to be
1: the the villain, Black
2: Plainswalker, in the near future. Yeah. So, oh,
0: how how how's that?
2: So have you looked at any of the promo stuff for *Oath of the Gatewatch*? No, it's just four planeswalkers. There's no black planeswalker.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that yeah. So they're, 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 there's going to be. Well, they're going back to Innistrad, so that's going to have a black component. But come oh, on, yeah. man, you gotta get you gotta get Garrick back to green. Don't. No, because you yeah. have a green
1: planeswalker. Look how obviously Nyssa and completely Nyssa has filled that role up to the point of even completely. Um, after yeah. M 15, Derek just dropped out of the picture. Well, yeah.
0: because he's 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 all sick and stuff, he's going to get better. They
1: mm-hmm. completely changed Nissa's backstory so that she could be that good green planeswalker. Like, they're obviously,
0: like, no, Derek you need isn't the, coming back. You need the beast. You need the guy that summons the beasts and stuff. That's just not popular. Like, they
2: didn't learn their lesson in Onslaught. Beast is not a creature type people care about. <laughs>
0: Look, but 3-3 is a creature type... Three threes is a creature type people care about for free. Free three threes people like. That's a creature sure. type. Yeah. yeah. Sort of. Alright. We cared about that
1: when it was what, elephants. Hey. Anyway, Tybalt's gonna be the big villain of Vinish calling it right now. Oh probably. Tybalt's and <laughs> the Kool-Aid man. He's also the best
0: dressed villain.
1: He is the best dressed villain. Alright, well that's it. I think that's everything. So if you out there want to contact us, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast, or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. Is there anyone out there who, like, I say that and they're like, oh, I can? Really? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I found out about the the Wizards Tournament Locator from the Cop rules. Like, somebody finds out about everything. (laughs) That's true. That's true. All right. Well, thank you all for being on. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. My name's Cedar Trader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun.
0: And I'm Brian Perlin. I keep it best dressed. What's your what's your sound codec, or whatever that is?
1: <laughs> what? I don't. Uh, is that any of call recording? Is, is that like a, a pickup line? Like, <laughs> yeah. What's hey, your video? sound codec? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, that's exactly what that is. Does that work out for you? <laughs> poorly.